Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. What's up, everybody? How you doing? So let me explain my, my uh, outfit for you. I uh, showed up this morning at, uh, just after 6 a.m. Just to, uh, I had a little bit of traveling this last week. and uh, So just tried to get up here. I was excited just to get in and hear the Lord speak. Uh, message was already, you know, about 90%. Uh, finished in the crock pot and uh, then at nine from nine to eleven I had time with the uh, called the ministry group and then went back into my office spent a little more time with the Lord and then went back to the message ran through it twice and in my mind I was thinking okay um, it was about 115 114 and uh, I'm gonna be done by two I'll go home Lord I'll, I'll change you know I'm just kind of talking out loud and I literally, I felt the God of the universe go, don't leave. Once you're done with this, let's just be together. I just want you to try and wrap your mind around the fact that at any moment of your day, the God of the universe can beckon you into his presence. So when someone asks me, where have you been? Here's my answer. I've been with him, and I didn't make it home, and so I look like an idiot, and I'm sorry, but it really shouldn't matter that much. Usually, I don't, I I like to not show my little boy shoe game most of the time, so you're getting to see my little boy shoe game a little bit, so don't, don't be judging me for it, okay? The little boy just wears Jordans every once in a while, all right? Okay, can I, can I, okay, now we got that out of the way. Okay, if you've been here for any amount of time, you already know what's about to go down. This, I got to apologize in advance. I've learned to do this, okay? There's just those times. The reason I stayed, it was like there was about an hour and a half where it's like heaven just opened up and he just starts lobbing all kinds of, of stuff. When he just starts talking more and more, you just don't want to leave until he goes quiet. So, I mean, I didn't want to go. And I could just start to tell. It's on like Donkey Kong. And so I'm going to have to restrain myself. I'm going to have to be calm. Uh, if I preach this message in college, my professors would say two things, slow down and calm down, okay? So I'm telling you in advance, if this is your first time here, it's not always like this, but tonight it's absolutely going to be, okay? We're going to throw down, and you're going to see why I'm a little bit riled up, and if I have a little bit of swagger, it's not in me, it's in him, because he's been talking all day about this. When we get to point three, you're going to see why I'm a little bit riled up, okay? All right? So, if you got a Bible, Exodus chapter 13 and Exodus chapter 23. We are continuing our series this weekend uh, entitled Pillar People, where we're taking a look at various uses of the all-important word pillar in Scripture. Okay? We're doing this for about a month and a half or so, and I'm going to do this whole series. And the first weekend that I kicked the series off, two weeks ago, uh, I, we talked about the presence of God, that the pillar is synonymous in Scripture with the presence of God. When, when the pillar of cloud would descend on the tent of meeting, every time it's when God came to meet with Moses and Moses met with God. Okay? So the pillar in Scripture, synonymous with his presence in the Old Testament. All right? So really important word. So pillar people are people of his presence. There are people who when he says, don't leave, you go, duly noted. Duly noted. I'm going to stay right here, okay? I hear that tone in your voice. It's not a command. It's a desire. And I don't know if you've gotten to this place yet, but there is nothing better than when he stops commanding and starts telling you his desires. I am grateful the Ten Commandments hung in courtrooms all over this country, but we can see it hasn't led to a lot. It's when we start to press in and hear the desires of his heart that the earth shifts beneath our feet. So we're going to go down the journey today. We're going to, go, we're going to take a walk together. Uh, and this uh, setup for the message is Exodus 13 and Exodus 23, okay? It's the next installment of this important word, pillar in Scripture, all right? Exodus 13, starting in verse 21. The Lord went ahead of them, speaking of the children of Israel. Uh, they've left Egypt. 
Now the Lord is leading them. He went ahead of them. He guided them. He led them during the day with a pillar of cloud. And he provided light or led them with light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them, his people, to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. Very important phrase. If you're reading along in your Bible, however your translation translates it, underline those last couple of words, in front of the people. Because what we're talking about this weekend is being led by God. Not just enjoying the presence of God, it's being led by God. It was the pillar that led them from the front. It was the angel of the Lord and the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. Flip over to Exodus 23 if you're in Exodus 13, and I'll have you hop around a little bit in Exodus throughout the message, so you can just see it in your own Bible. Listen to what God says. He says, see, I am sending an angel before you, okay, at the front of the line, before you, to protect you on your journey and lead you safely to the place I have prepared for you. If you're reading along in your Bible, underline those last couple of words, however your translation translates it, the place I have prepared for you. There is a place that God has prepared for you that he would love to take you to, but the only way to get there is to be led by him. There's a place in your marriage. The Lord wants to take the two of you, but the only way to get there is if he leads. Let me, let me say it another way, and it will lead into the title of the message. God always leads you to the place he has prepared for you. But if you lead you, you have a 0% chance of ever getting there, and that is the title of this message. You, my friend, have a 0% chance. When we talk about the place God has prepared for you, and I'm not just talking about the eternal place, that's being prepared. I'm talking about in your life, in every area of your life, with my kids, with my wife, in my calling, in my job, in my relationships, there's a place he has prepared for me. But I have zero, a 0% zero chance to get there if I'm not led by him. I need you to become convinced today of how important this place is. You know how people have watched your video? It's not because he's trying to make you famous. It's because he's trying to get more glory. And the only reason he has you go down a path like that is because there's something coming that's going to literally send shockwaves up and down the streets of this city. There's a place he has prepared for you and you and you and you, but you have no chance of getting there if you try and lead yourself there. You don't have a one or two or 3% chance you most certainly don't have a 10, 20, or 30% chance. You have a 0% chance of ever getting to the place God prepared for you if he doesn't lead you there. Here's how I know, because you're Noah 2.0. The boat, the blueprint for the boat he gave to Noah had no steering wheel. Why? Because Noah had no idea the place God had prepared for him, and furthermore, had no idea how to get there. You are Noah, I am Noah 2.0. There's a 0% chance I will get to the place God has prepared for me if I don't allow myself to be led completely by him. One of the biggest battles in life is over who will be the leader of your life. It's either Jesus or it's not. It is either Jesus or it ain't. Three points. Here's the first one. When we talk about being led... I've already, I've already showed you point number one. You just didn't know it. When we talk about being led by the Spirit of God, he leads from the front. He leads from the front. God isn't leading if he isn't first. If he isn't first in your life, I already know. He's not leading in your life. What we're going to talk about here is this beautifully theological and romantic word, preeminence. It's one of the attributes of our God. He is preeminent. It literally means he is first. 
It means to have the first place. It means ranking above all others. It means surpassing all others. And then here's my favorite. It means superior due to merit. He is first before and above everything and everyone. One theologian said it like this. He has always been, is, and always will be greater in every way than the full sum of everything and everyone else that ever exists. That's gangster right there. He's first. Now, I don't have enough time to really break this next part down, but one of the things I just showed you in Exodus 23 is that God says to the people, I'm going to send an angel ahead of you. Okay, so very quickly, since we're talking about preeminence, we need to understand who this angel was. Okay, because throughout scripture, we see different moments where an angel appears to someone, but it isn't always this angel. This scripture calls the angel of the Lord. Okay, what's different about an angel and the angel of the Lord? Okay, well, there's a list of things, but I I do not have enough time to break this all down. But I'll give you one of my favorites, okay? Judges 13, the angel of the Lord shows up to Samson's parents before Samson is born. And the angel of the Lord gives a word about how this baby is to be raised. It's the angel of the Lord. What do, what, do, what do Samson's parents do? They fall down, worship, and they make a sacrifice to this angel. Here's how you know the angel of the Lord is not just any old angel. Because no angel can receive worship from you or me without falling. Lucifer wanted the worship. That's why he had to go. They cannot receive worship. I I can prove it to you. Revelation 22. The angel that is in the vision with John on the Isle of Patmos. He he falls down. He starts worshiping this angel. And what does this particular angel say to John? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop right now. Don't do that. I'm just a servant. Okay, so we know the angel of the Lord is not any old angel. We also know, Scripture says, God says in Scripture that the angel of the Lord has his name in him. Okay. Well, that's definitely not just any angel. So who is the angel of the Lord? The angel of the Lord is pre-incarnate Christ. Jesus, before we ever saw Jesus wrapped in flesh. The angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. Now, if you want to, You can flip over to Colossians 1, keep a marker in Exodus. Colossians 1 has got to be one of the most theologically beautiful passages on the preeminence of Jesus. Okay, remember, I know it's a big word, it's kind of robust, but preeminence just means first in a superior overall kind of a way due to merit. All right? He's not just first because of choice, he's first for good reason. Okay? That's, that's what preeminence means. Colossians chapter 1, let's read starting in verse 15, and I wish we could just slow roll our way through this, but we got to just metabolize it quickly. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Why did Jesus lay aside his heavenly divine benefits? Not his divine nature, his divine benefits. Why did he lay them aside? to come to earth, not just to deal with your sin, but to show you the Father. That's what this verse means. Jesus loved you so much and wanted you to see the Father so much that he didn't just come to die for you. He came to reveal the Father to you. That's just sexy right there. He wanted you to see the Father, so he said, I'll show you. Best way for you to see the Father right now, I'll show you. He, Jesus, existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and he made the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Now that is a lovey, lovey verse between the father and the son. Everything was created through him and also for him. 
That's a daddy who loves his son. That same daddy gave up his son to die in your place. He gave everything to his son and then asked the son to die for you. (laughs) I hope you understand that. He existed before anything else. Before anything ever was, he was. Before anything which was created ever was created, he was. Not created, he just was. He existed, existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. Think about that. Scripture literally says, he holds the universe together with the word of his command. The power of his command. Next time, when you're battling a spirit of fear and you feel quite beaten up, remind yourself, the one who is with you holds the universe up with a word. He ain't shaken for nobody. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning. So we're going to get on a run of three very important Greek words here. He's the head of the church, which is his body. Jesus is the beginning. And Jesus is supreme, or most translations say, firstborn. He's the firstborn of all who rise from the dead. So watch how this run ends theologically. So Jesus is first in everything. Jesus is first in everything. Quickly, let's go through these three words. First one, this Greek word for the head of the church, kephale. It means literally Jesus is the authority for our church, not me. It is not me. We are in a heap of trouble if it is. He's the head of the church. My job is to follow his lead, not to pretend to be him. He's the head. Preston's just a hired hand. Now, not the kind Jesus talked about because that hired hand runs when the wolf comes. I will try and beat the ever-loving fire out of the wolf if he tries to walk in this place. Just because the one that stands with me is the one who holds the whole universe up with the word of his command. I'm getting into the micro-machine guy. I need to slow down just a little bit. Okay. It is his will, it is Jesus' will, and his word that governs and energizes the life of our church. That's what it means that he is the head of this church. Second important word. It's the Greek word arche. Literally means the beginning. He's the start of everything. You got people doing all these DNA tests to see where they came from. Can I just save you a hundred bucks? The point of origin of every created thing I just read it to you is Jesus, the Son of God. Where did you come from, the Son of God? Everything was created through him. (laughs) Here's how much the Father loved his Son. He created you through the Son so that you could be together. You're one of the best gifts. Let me say it another way. You are one of the best gifts the Father has ever given to the Son. Wrap your mind around that little romantic theological fact. Jesus is the beginning. Everything which began has a point of origin, and it's Jesus. Now, the, the picture here is that Jesus is out in front. He's the front of the line. Let me, let me try and uh, I'll ask the question, then I'll illustrate it. Why does Jesus belong at the front? Well, there's a simple theological answer. Because he was there before anybody else was. He got there first. He was always there. And he cannot be removed from his place in the line. Remember when we were in kindergarten? And the teacher would say, it's time to get a drink, boys and girls. And maybe you were like me. But if there were any young little five-year-old leaders in the room, what would they do? A leader in training at five years old jumps up out of the chair, knocks their neighbor down to sprint to the door so they can be what? At the front of the line. First. Can't you see, this is the age-old battle of the flesh. Who is first? And Jesus already answered the question. He said, before you ever were, I was. Before anything which was created, including every one of his enemies. 
before anything was created, there he was first. Before there was ever a line, he was first. So you can try and pretend like you're first. I can try and pretend like I'm first in my life. But he is. He always was, and he always will be. Here's a third important Greek word. It's the word prototokos, and it means firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn. So God is driving home the point. My son is the preeminent one. He's first in every way possible. He's the firstborn of the dead. What does that mean? Jesus was the first one to be resurrected from the dead. Now, theologians in the room will say, no, he wasn't. In fact, Jesus raised from the dead. Lazarus was raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. Let me finish the sentence, though. But Lazarus still went on to die. Jesus was the first who ever experienced death, was raised from the dead, never to die again. One of the most comforting things we have going for us as followers of Jesus is our big brother is Jesus who conquered death. Now you might be saying, why is it possible? Not how. Why is it possible for him to conquer death? Acts 2.24 tells us in a very divinely sarcastic and pick a fight kind of way. Acts 2.24 says, it was impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus. That means death tried to hold him down and he looked at death and said, are you kidding me right now? Get off of me. You are under my authority. And from here on out, anyone who belongs to my father will do what I am doing now. They may go to the grave, but they will be lifted up and they will spend forever with the Father just like I will spend forever with the Father. He conquered death because death wasn't strong enough to hold on to him. That's what Acts 2.24 says. Okay, let's wrap up this point. If Jesus isn't first in your life, he might as well be last. It's the bottom line. Colossians 1 helps us see. First, first, first. If he's not first, he might as well be last. Jesus must hold the same place in my life as he does in the order of all things. Now quickly, I probably should have already two minutes behind, but let me just, Exodus chapter 40. If you want to go back to Exodus, look at Exodus 40. This gives us a picture of what it looks like to be led by the pillar, okay? Just in two verses. Exodus chapter 40, verses 36 and 37. love hearing those pages turn. I'll give you one more sec. Exodus 40, 36 and 37. Now whenever the cloud lifted, so what, what does whenever mean? Every single time the pillar of cloud lifted, the same thing happened. The people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. Here's what you have to know. There is a marked difference between a believer in Jesus and a follower of Jesus. If somebody asks you or asks me, are you a believer in Jesus? Here should be our response, not just with our words, but with our lives. Oh, am I a believer in Jesus? I'm so much a believer in Jesus that I'm a follower of Jesus. The two aren't the same thing. Satan believes in Jesus. Doesn't mean he's following Jesus. <laughs> Which are you? I love it that you believe in Jesus, but so does Satan. Don't think you want to be like him. We're called to be followers. God set it up so we could learn from his people in the wilderness that whenever the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire moved, the people moved too. This is why every once in a while over the next 25 years of my life, you might ask me, why are we doing this? And the answer I give you will not be good enough for you. You just need to know the answer every time is essentially because the pillar moved. It just moved. And when he moves, 
like it or not, I have determined in my heart that as for me and this house, we will follow. We will follow. We will not stay where he leaves. And we will not leave where he stays. So that when he says, hey, I didn't even think about this. That I was preaching on this, even practicing it. And I was ready to go home and get changed, eat my hard-boiled eggs, do my routine. And he said, don't leave. The pillar literally said, I'm right here, and and we're kind of on one right now, press. Just stay with me. This is what we do as followers. If he ain't going, I'm not. If he's moving, then I am too. How do you know Jesus is first? He gets what he wants more than you get what you want. That's just how it goes. You know he's first when he gets what he wants in your life more than you get what you want, more than you get your way. That's a statement for your life. Now let me make a prophetic statement over our church. The anointing on our church and the presence of God in our church will come down to whether or not Jesus gets what he wants from our church. This is it. If he leaves and the anointing goes with it, you need to leave too. Follow the pillar. Don't follow me or this place. That's a gutsy statement, but I'm ready to die for it. I'm ready to spend the next 25 years of my life chasing him and leading a group of people who want to chase him just as much. This is it. This is what we will do. I don't care how many are in the room. I don't care if it's more. I don't care if it's less. This is what we will do. The anointing on our church and the presence of God in our church is going to come down to whether or not Jesus gets what he wants from our church. Here's point number two. Already six minutes behind, we're in trouble. When he leads, he always provides. If God doesn't provide, you have zero, a zero percent chance, literally, not 10%, not 20, not 30, you have a zero percent chance of being able to afford the path and the process God has for you to take you to the place he's prepared for you. Period, point blank, that's a fact. If he doesn't provide, you can't get there. I don't care if you are the greatest businessman or businesswoman in this room with the ability to generate more revenue than anybody in this room. I hate to inform you. If the God of the universe does not provide for you, you have a 0% chance of being able to afford the path that leads to the place God has prepared for you. You need his provision. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 5 and 6. For 40 years, this is Moses talking. For 40 years, I led you through the wilderness. Yet your clothes and sandals did not wear out. You ate no bread and you drank no wine. And he's essentially saying, you didn't have any of the finer things. Like all the stuff you had stored up before you left Egypt, you didn't get any of that. None of it came with you. And yet, he provided for you food so that you would know that he is the Lord your God. You ready for one of my favorite one-liners in this message? Because I know there's one or two people in this room struggling with lack right now. I'm not, I'm not going prosperity gospel. Don't, don't even be putting words in my mouth. Let me just talk to you about your daddy if you are a follower of Jesus, a son or daughter of God most high. Lack is a divine setup by the Lord for the Lord to prove he alone is the source. A dry desert is a divine setup for the God who alone can make it rain. Make it as dry as you want. Make all of the pastors say it's impossible for God to do it. Go ahead and make it dry. Because the drier it gets, the more glory you're going to get when you make it rain. It's a setup. Lack is a setup. It's not something to freak out about. And I can prove it to you. Just think about this for a minute. Think about all of these people, all of God's people leaving Egypt, and, and once they knew they had to leave, you know there were a couple 
like you and like me, who were like trying to scrounge up like all their best food. They're like, I have no idea how long this journey is going to last. I'm going to have the best food out of everybody, right? So they stockpile and they're carrying it and they're actually more tired because they're carrying stuff. God didn't ask them to carry, but they thought they were going to need it for the journey. And so they load themselves down with the weight they weren't designed to carry. They had to start start dropping stuff along the way. You can hoard it all you want. Let's just talk about recession for a minute. You can hoard it all you want. I'm not saying be frivolous. I'm just telling you God went on record in Scripture and said, don't turn money into an idol. Because he'll make it evaporate just to prove a point. He's the provider. Lack is just a divine setup. You got people, the children of Israel, trying to hoard it. They start dropping stuff. Then we get to the last morsel of food. I just want you to picture this. They've run out of food. What do they start doing? Scripture tells us they start complaining before the Lord. And Moses says, hey, listen, let's get one thing straight. You think you're complaining about me. You're actually complaining about God. Just a heads up for you all. You are not complaining about my leadership. You are complaining about his. So take it up with him. So here, here they are, all griping and complaining. Man, if we could just go back to slavery, the food was so much better there. They literally say that. While they're all getting more and more afraid as they run out of provision, I honestly believe the God of the universe was getting more and more excited. He's just going, ha, 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 this is the setup. Yes, the Egyptians sent them out with money, but you can't eat gold. They went out with treasure, but they ran out of food. Just like our church ran out of money early on, had $800 in our savings account. And I just brought Brad on staff, one of the scariest things I've ever done in ministry. And we ran out of money. I didn't tell everybody. But we had 800 bucks. I had more in my savings account than the church did. I was freaking out. I don't freak out anymore, Lord willing, because I learned. It's just a setup. It's just a setup. It's not just a test to see how I'll respond. It's a setup. So the Israelites are all freaking out. We have no food. What's going to happen? We're going to die. And at the very same moment of time, the God of the universe is going, <laughs> bring in the manna truck. Let's show them what provision looks like when it's supernatural. In fact, they have no frame of reference for this in such a way they won't even know what to call it other than just to say, what is it? Which is what manna means. Lack is just a divine setup. By the Lord, for the Lord, to prove he alone is the source. Here's what I gotta tell you though. The provision of heaven will always be more expensive than the profits of earth. Before you get too excited, this is how you know I ain't going down prosperity gospel because I'm about to tell you this is not cheap. Experiencing supernatural provision, not just financially, but in every area of life, is extremely expensive. Let me prove it to you. Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 9. When they, Abraham and Isaac had reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord, there he is again. Not just any angel coming to do this thing. To provide an alternate sacrifice, might I point out. Pre-incarnate Christ shows up a little bit sarcastically, theologically going... You're not going to understand this yet, but I myself am also the ram in the thicket. Aren't you glad I'm not always like this? (laughs) My professors in college would say, yes, Preston, we're very glad you're not always like this. Okay, let's get back to the story. He bound his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. He reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, the son of the promise, named Isaac. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. 
do not lay a hand on that boy. (laughs) The angel of the Lord said, do not do a thing to this child. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son, the son of the promise. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. The angel of the Lord provided an alternate sacrifice so that the son who would deserve death, not because of anything he did, but because God had said, you ought to kill him. The angel of the Lord provided an alternate sacrifice. Watch this, verse 14. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. Yahweh Yaira. Maybe you heard it, Jehovah Jaira. Ditch the J. Yahweh Yaira. Isn't it interesting? In Genesis 22, the angel of the Lord, pre-incarnate Christ, provides a ram, one animal. And Abraham's response to this extravagant provision of one ram that saved his son's life, Abraham's response was, that's it. He's the God who provides. Isn't it interesting that Abraham didn't say that of God in Genesis 13 when Scripture says that Abram became exceedingly wealthy in livestock, silver, and gold? Nine chapters earlier, this guy gets a winning lottery ticket. And it isn't in that moment that he says, ho, 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 it's the Lord who provides, even though he knew it came from God. He went on record with a ram. Not a flock. One ram. Why? Because I'm convinced the most extravagant provision that Abraham ever saw from heaven was that ram in the thicket that day. But was that not one of the most expensive pieces of heavenly provision any human has ever experienced? He had to raise the knife above his son, thinking he was about to have to kill him. And God provided. You have to know, it is easier to obtain earthly profit than it will ever be to experience heavenly provision. Let me say it like this, and I love this one-liner that he gave me this, this afternoon. Momentous sacrifice by man usually precedes miraculous provision from God. Let's get to point number three. When he leads, he orchestrates. When God leads, he always orchestrates the steps. Let me say it again, since the title of this message is, You have a 0% chance. You have a 0% chance of ever getting to the place God prepared for you. If he doesn't orchestrate every one of your steps all the way there. You have a 0% chance. If you honestly think that you have a 50-50 chance, I will tell you what your life will look like. You will always be wrestling with who the leader of your life is. Because you're convinced if you do it, there's a chance it might work. Here's what's scary about that, because I have tried out that little philosophy of life. Here's what it always leads to. God, pulling back just a sec, and going, have at it, kid. Go ahead, Preston. You're so sure you can do it. And he's not rubbing it in my face. As a good father, he's helping me understand. I can't do it without it. I need him to orchestrate every one of my steps. You need him to orchestrate every one of your steps. If you're in Exodus, go to Exodus 14. Exodus 14, starting in verse 1. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back. Okay, that that already is a crazy order. Make them go backwards. The Egyptians are following them from afar, watching their path. Tell them to turn back. Nothing looks crazier than when you're going this way, convinced it's the right direction, and God says, 
Go back this way. I want you to see how divinely sarcastic God is with his enemies. You've got to see this. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp at Pi-Hahirath between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore, across from Baal, Zephon. Okay, so God is saying, I want my people to go to the shores of the Red Sea. And you know there was some smart aleck. When these orders were being delivered to the people, some smart aleck went, are you kidding me? Do you not hear that army chasing us? And we're supposed to go stand at the edge of that sea and not just stand there, camp there? Another way to say it, stop there. We're supposed to be moving or they're going to catch us. God goes, <laughs> you just don't understand how I roll. Everything I do as I orchestrate the steps of humanity is a divine setup for me to get more glory. I mean, God. Watch verse 3. This is where he gets, he shows his sarcastic side. Then, God says, then, when the people go camp at the shore, then Pharaoh will think. The Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, God speaking, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. Watch this next line because this line gives me so much confidence as I walk following him. I have planned all this. The sovereign king of the universe says, oh, I planned all this. I plan for Pharaoh to think he was winning. I plan for every step of this. In order, in other words, there was a reason for this plan of mine. In order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, trust and believe the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. See what God is doing. He's sarcastically toying with his enemy. Only when your opponent is inferior do you toy with them before you defeat them. If you struggle with the spirit of fear, you probably need to read through this chapter a couple of times. Because you just see God toying with his enemy the way a cat toys with a ball of yarn. He's just going, here, Pharaoh. You, so sweet, you think you're winning. <laughs> Look at your big army. Go chase them. Go chase them. You just go get them, big boy. He hardened his heart. And Pharaoh did as he was told, even though he didn't know he was being told. God was orchestrating every step on every side. This is what he does. What was the last time you tried to orchestrate something and it failed miserably? Want to know one of the awesome things about your daddy? Never once. Has he ever, or will he ever, orchestrate something which fails? Never once. Skip down to verse 23. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and charioteers, chased the people of God into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from where? The pillar. I don't, this series could have been one week and we would have been good. He was in the pillar, looking down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Only when you allow the God of the universe, to lead you in every area of your life, will you begin to see the divine orchestrations of the sovereign king over the universe? But he has to lead. You don't get to share the throne with him. You have to worship him. As he, not you, he is the one who sits on that throne. Not me. You want to live a miraculous life? Stop trying to orchestrate it so much. And by so much, I mean ever again. <laughs> One of my top five strengths, Strengths Finder uh, told me was a strategy. The older I get, the less strategic I get. Want to know why? 
Because I've learned, strategy is not bad, it's good. But strategy is not my responsibility to come up with. It's my responsibility to obey the one who has all the strategy I will ever need. And so I, I try not to orchestrate the way I used to. You want to live a miraculous life? Stop being the one to lead yours. The only way to truly be a follower of Jesus is to make the choice to be led by Jesus. And if you want just a little bit of homework and we're, we're done, if you want a little bit of homework, do what I call a big decision audit. Take a look at the last 10 big decisions you've made in your life. How many of them did you do what you thought was best? And how many of them did you do what he told you to do? Just take an audit. See who the leader of your life is. One more verse and then I want to illustrate the whole point of this message and we'll be done. I hope you never forget this picture. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 12. Speaking to God of God, you led our ancestors by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. So that you led them from the pillar so that they could find their way. I want to try and illustrate this. And I need a little help. I need somebody who is a single mom that is either presently pregnant or just recently had a baby in our Embrace Grace process. If you fit that criteria, would you just stand up? Look at you. Okay, come here. Come here. I, I promise I won't embarrass you. Okay? I promise you. Nope. Watch. What's your name? Destiny. Destiny, what's up? I'm Preston. Nice to meet you. Okay. We've never met before, and I'm about to ask you to do something that, that no stranger should ever do with someone they just met. Okay? But trust me. You know my wife, so at least trust her. Okay? Okay, will you, will you put this on? Okay, can you see anything? No. Okay, make sure you can't see anything. <laughs> totally blind, can't see a thing, right? Okay, somewhere in this room, under a chair, one chair and one chair alone, is a $100 Amazon gift card. I'm going to give you the next 30 seconds to find it. You ready? Twenty seconds left. Ten seconds left. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, I'm right here next to you. Did you find it? No. Did you want to? Yes. Okay. How badly did you want to? On a scale of one to ten. Okay, she's at a seven. It's good. 100 bucks doesn't do as much as it used to, apparently. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm playing with you. There's another way this can go. You're going to represent them. And I'm going to represent God. And you and me are about to teach them one of the best lessons they will ever learn in the house of the Lord. Do you want to do it with me? Sure. Okay. Now we put your hand out because I'm going to have to hold you by the hand. Remember, I'm the Lord. Okay, watch out here. There's somebody's feet here. I'll make sure they move out of the way because I'm the God of the universe. They will get out of my way. We'll move slow. Don't worry. I'm the God who makes a way in the middle of a section. Don't worry about it. If you can move forward, it's because I already moved before you. You're not going to trip. You're not going to fall. You have no idea where you are in this room. Nor do you know 
where this $100 gift card is in this room. But because I'm the one who has it all, I'm the one who knows where it is. I know the best way to get there. I know the safest way to get there. It might not be easy, and it might get hard. But I assure you, if you will just let me lead, I will get you to the place that I prepared before you got into this room. I knew you were coming. I had my wife make sure you were here. She represents the Holy Spirit. I know this is taking longer than you thought it would, but just trust me. Just keep following me. I have prepared a place for you and no one else in this room. Now I want you just to kneel down. Can you feel it? Okay. You can stand up. You can take the mask off too. Okay. Under this chair was not a $100 gift card. It was a $1,000 gift card. Here's why. Number one, because you deserve it. But number two, this is how God plays. When he gives us a promise and says, this is what it's going to be like when we get there, because he leads us there, it's always exponentially better. Thank you. She don't want that mask. She's like, take this mask. I don't want to be masked again. Would you stand with me? I know it didn't translate on the video. I don't even care. I know I'm in sweatpants. I don't even care. The God of the universe is in this room. You just blessed an amazingly brave woman in this room. You are savages, and the God of the universe loves it when we do things like that. But bigger than that, bigger than that, I hope you learned the lesson he just taught you. It is worth it when you let him lead, and it ain't because of the money. That's just a snapshot of a billion different things that could be on the end of that path. You have a 0% chance to get to the place where God has prepared for you if you don't let him lead you there. Would you close your eyes? Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.